0: This morning we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1 and the title of my sermon is Stand Fast in the Lord. Last week at the end of my sermon we looked very briefly at chapter 4 and verse 1. However, we're going to be considering it in a lot more detail today. Let's now turn to Philippians chapter 4 and see what Paul said in verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Verse 1 marks the beginning of the Apostle Paul's summing up. And in so doing, he repeated some of the things that he had already said. For example, We can see in verse 1 there that he spoke about standing fast. Does that ring any bells? Does it sound familiar to you? It ought to. Just turn back to chapter 1 and verse 27. I'll read it for you. Paul said, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, Or else be absent, I may hear of your your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I made the connection straight away between chapter 4, verse 1, and chapter 1, verse 27, about standing fast, and that is because... When we looked at chapter 1 verse 27 two months ago, I identified that verse as a key verse that speaks to Christians individually and collectively about living out the Christian life. Consequently, I set myself the task of memorising chapter 1 and verse 27, even though it seems to be getting a lot more difficult to remember things As I get older. By the way, dear Christian, even though we are limited, some of us more than others, in what we are able to learn verbatim and remember, we nevertheless ought to want to prayerfully read every verse of Scripture, meditate on what we have read, and act upon it. After all, in 2 Timothy, chapter 3 and verse 16 the apostle Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God in other words all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect truly furnished unto all good works I know that that some church congregations stand up for the reading of the scriptures, thereby acknowledging that they are hearing the proclamation of the word of God. In other words, they stand up for the gospel as if they are standing on holy ground. And that is a biblical thing to do. Just listen to the reverential response of the congregation when Ezra the priest opened the book of God's law about 400 years before the Son of God was made flesh. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 5 and 6 it is written and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people and when he opened it All the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Coming back to Philippians chapter 4, we can see more repetition as well as the standing fast. In chapter 3, verse 1, the apostle had already said, Rejoice in the Lord. And then in chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And in chapter 2, verse 25, Paul had talked about Epaphroditus, his his companion in labour. Then in chapter 4 and verse 3, he talked about various others who were his fellow labourers. If you are able to spot the repetition and join the dots between those various verses that have been repeated, that's a good thing because for one thing it shows that you have been attending to the things that have been considered. Ideally you ought to be praying that these repeated words exhortations of Paul become indelibly written in your hearts and your minds and that you and that they are worked out in your born again lives for your benefit for the benefit of the church and most of all for the glory of God let us now consider chapter 4 and verse 1 where Paul said Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. It is a verse in which the Apostle Paul declared his love for the Philippian Christians and his desire to be with them. When you love someone, and you have a great affection for him or her, whether we're talking about a family member or perhaps a dear friend, then the likelihood is that you really want to be with that person. I think that is something that we can all understand and we can all relate to. For example, Paul clearly loved his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We've already seen how he counted as dung everything for the riches of knowing Christ. He spoke about Jesus all the time. In fact, he said to the church in Corinth, I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And crucially, he earnestly desired to be with Jesus. For example, in chapter two of Corinth, sorry, two Corinthians chapter five and verse eight, he spoke about being willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That love for Jesus and Paul's desire to be with him was evidenced in a love and affection for the church in Philippi and also a desire to be with them. As we see in verse 1, having called the Philippian Christians his brethren, Paul then described them as dearly beloved, not once but twice, and he longed for them. The great love and affection of Paul for the Philippians was seen in his attitude towards them. He addressed them as his brethren. In fact, he referred to the Philippians and others as his brethren no less than eight times in this short letter. Although the Lord Jesus Christ appointed Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles, he certainly did not lord it over them. In fact, he viewed the Philippians for who they were, his brothers and sisters in Christ, with one God, the Father, and one Lord Jesus. He and they were all members of the same body. He and they were all washed with the same precious blood and covered with the same righteousness of God. When you have those truths firmly fixed in your mind, there is no place for lording it over anyone. The self-righteous Pharisees, they used to do that. Unregenerate people who are full of their own self-importance, they do that. But born-again Christians, whoever they are, ought to be like their Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who even though he is God, he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. Paul really did love the Philippian Christians and that was evidenced in his earnest desire to be with them. It's reasonable to say that even though he was a prisoner of Christ in Rome and about 800 miles away from the Philippians, he was nevertheless in a sense with them, inasmuch they were always in his thoughts and in his prayers. Paul made that very clear, in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, where he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. Even so, Paul really wanted to be with them. If by the grace of God you are someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great sacrificial love for you, your love for Jesus compels you to strive to keep a close communion with him. And you do that through reading the scriptures and letting the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Consequently, you keep your mind focused on Jesus and you love to talk about him to others. But more than anything, you long to be with Jesus where he is, to behold his glory. We looked at that last week, didn't we? Hastening his second coming. To varying degrees, perhaps, our love for Jesus ought to be seen in a love for one another and a desire to be with one another, like the Apostle Paul and the Philippians. Admittedly, Paul's situation was different to ours inasmuch he had been instrumental in the conversion of the first Christians in Philippi, people such as Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened to attend to the things that were spoken by Paul. And when Paul and his travelling companion Silas were miraculously released, having been imprisoned in Philippi, The jailer cried out to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Without any doubt, Paul's missionary work in Philippi had borne much fruit, and even though his treasures were stored up in heaven he nevertheless counted the Philippian saints as precious gems. For example, in verse 1, he described them as his joy and crown. Also, Paul clearly had what is commonly described as a pastor's heart and a pastor's love for the sheep in Philippi. There's clearly a challenge in that for me as your pastor. More generally, it would be rather odd if my love and your love for the Lord Jesus Christ was not seen in a genuine love for one another and a hastening of the day when the coronavirus restrictions are lifted so that we can meet up safely for worship and for fellowship again. Although we ought to be very thankful to God, that for the time being we are able to worship God together and have fellowship over the internet. We need to be very careful that we do not end up like many professing Christians who see no need to go to a place of worship and they are perfectly happy to stay at home and to do church by tuning into the God channels. The fact is that there are many people who are like that and we need not imagine that it could never happen to us. Which brings me to my final consideration in verse 1. The Apostle's exhortation to stand fast in the Lord. I suspect that Paul was somewhat obsessed with standing fast in the Lord. As I, as I reminded you at the beginning of this sermon, Paul had already spoken about standing fast back in chapter 1, verse 27. But that's not all. In his letter to the Ephesian church, which you'll find immediately before the letter to the Philippians, and which was written about the same time, Paul spoke about standing fast in Ephesians chapter 6, And verse 10, when he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He then said, put on the whole armour of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. In those verses Paul was saying that our battle is spiritual, it is against satanic forces and we are to stand fast, not in our own strength but in the strength of the Lord, in the whole armour of God. The word stand is mentioned no less than three times in those verses. Paul knew a thing or two about wrestling against the wiles of the devil and standing fast in the Lord, drawing on his grace and so on. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he spoke about being buffeted by a messenger of Satan, which he described as a thorn in the flesh. Interestingly and importantly, The affliction whereby the Apostle Paul was buffeted by a messenger of Satan was given to him by God. We can see something similar happening in the Old Testament book of Job. In the very first verse of that book we are told that Job was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed or shunned evil. Even so in Job chapter 2 and verse 7 it is written So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. The fact of the matter is that whilst the devil seeks to break down and destroy the faith of Christians through various spiritual attacks God gives them those trials, tribulations and afflictions in order to build them up in their faith. Our present circumstances are a time of trial and of standing against the wiles of the devil in the strength of the Lord. You can be sure that the devil is happy for us not to meet up to worship God and not to have fellowship with one another. Ultimately he seeks to destroy our faith and this time of pandemic and lockdown is as good as any time to do precisely that. I'm rather hoping that all of you are resisting the devil by using this time of confinement to your homes to draw even closer to the God of your salvation as you read your Bibles more than you usually would and as you try to memorise those scripture verses. I still have some pens to award to those of you who learn Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. I gave you that verse quite some time ago now. And then there are the memory verses that Stephen has given us via WhatsApp. Uh, He's given, given the verses to Sunday school and to anyone else who can be bothered to learn them? They are two lovely verses, Ephesians chapter one and verse seven, which speaks of redemption through the blood of Jesus, and Ephesians chapter two and verse eighteen, in which all three persons of the Godhead are mentioned. What a lovely verse to rem- to memorize and to um, bring up when you're speaking to the next Jehovah's Witness who knocks on your door. Never underestimate how real the onslaught of Satan and his demons is. If the devil was there in the midst of the baying crowd at Calvary when the Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up to die he would no doubt have been leading the chorus of those who shouted crucify him. However, the devil's ecstasy would have been short-lived because by his death at the cross, Jesus destroyed him and his power over death. And the triumphal resurrection of Jesus signalled his victory over sin, Satan and death. Even so... Just as death has not yet been destroyed, neither has the devil turned over a new leaf. He hasn't given up being thoroughly evil and we are to stand fast in the Lord against his devious and cunning strategies. For one thing, he would be very happy for you to imagine that he is dead or that he doesn't even exist. But the Bible says that we are to be sober and vigilant because, as a roaring lion, the devil walks about the world seeking whom he may devour. Finally, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul, speaking infallibly as he was moved by God the Holy Spirit, said, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. May each one of us earnestly seek to be both hearers and doers of what we have been considering, standing fast in the Lord. And when the day dawns that we are able to meet up again for worship, may each one of us have a word or two to say about God's presence his abundant grace and his mercy towards us during this time of separation from one another amen